0: Hello, and welcome to the all-new entertainment podcast at the movies with Arch Campbell. Who? <laughs> and Lou Katz. Who, oh, who? And a cast of thousands. Where? Where <laughs> exactly. are they? And now, ladies and gentlemen, yes. the Washington Institution... Has been reviewing movies since the invention of sound. (laughs) Uh,
1: Give it up. I remember when those talkies came in. My gosh. Arch Campbell. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. It's Mr. Arch Campbell to you. you That the and you're hearing uh, Lou Katz there, and Lou and I have worked together. For, I guess, 30 years oh, on yeah. Wash FM, and I knew you when you were at Q107. Oh, yeah, Mix 107, 107 three, right, for years. You you had a long radio career in D.C. <laughs> how, how many years were you on the air? Uh, about
0: 47.
1: Really? Yeah. No kidding.
0: And then if you multiply that by seven in dog years, I don't know, you're getting <laughs> 200 some odd years.
1: I was 40 years on local television in Oh, on Channel
0: 4 and then Channel 7. seven.
1: Here we are, but we're still doing it, yep. and this is the start of a new podcast series. Some of you know that uh, I just completed a show called At the Movies with Arch and Ann. Ann Hornady. Ann Hornady of the uh-huh. Washington Post, and uh, this show is going to pick up where that one left off. We we will always feature a guest critic, and we'll have a second uh, critic on the show, and we will cover new movies The Best of Cable and Streaming, because I really think that streaming is uh, what entertainment is becoming about, and we'll keep an eye on trends and uh, events in entertainment. And Lou Katz is here to uh, do it with me. Absolutely. And we're we're in your underground bunker. <laughs> <laughs> the Bassett
0: Broadcast building here in the basement.
1: <laughs> you, you host something called uh, Hound Radio. Is that a play on cats? <laughs> no. Uh, w- my wife, cats Wendy, and, and I dogs. are,
0: are big, big Bassett Hound fans. And uh, I decided that uh, once I left Wash FM uh, in uh, November of 17, that I wanted to do something on my own. Uh And I came up with this idea, since I'm a big, big Hound fan, that we would start a little internet radio station and play music and do some comedy stuff and... Your entertainment reports that we feature every weekend. And, uh, you and know, we, we have that big handful of listeners.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I started hounding you to use your studio exactly, exactly. for this. Exactly. So this is our launch. Yeah. You know, I mentioned at the movies with Arch and Anne because for the last two years, I hosted that podcast with the senior film critic of the Washington Post, uh, Ann Hornaday. And I loved talking movies and streaming and trends with her. And the show ended abruptly, and this happens in television and radio, because uh, we ran out of money. And when you run out of money, they pull the plug, and everybody moves on, and uh, nobody's angry about it, but we uh, fell off the face (laughs) of the earth.
0: (laughs) And now we're getting
1: a a ladder
0: to try to climb back on it again.
1: So I am delighted to begin this new series by catching up with my dear friend Ann Hornaday. She's on the phone from her office in downtown Washington, D.C., and it's so good to uh, have you at least on the phone.
2: I know. It's good to be back at least verbally or orally or whatever whatever the the correct term is. But, yeah, yeah, it's nice to see you, even though I don't see you.
1: Before we get into the weeds, uh, I think I want to thank... All the people that uh, listened to uh, at the movies with Arch and Ann, they they were very generous to us, and we had a lot of listeners.
2: We did, and they and I keep meeting them. You know, I, I go out. Sometimes they let me out, and so I, <laughs> I and I see people,
3: <laughs> real
2: people.
4: Yes, and no,
2: so many people have come up to me or emailed or uh, come up at events and just said how much they enjoyed the podcast and they miss it, and we miss them, and. I agree. Thank you, thank you, thank you, everyone for listening and staying so loyal.
1: And there is a Facebook page uh, at the Movies with Arch and Ann, uh, Loyal Extras, and, and it Aww. is it's still active
2: god they're, bless well you know, i'd know that if i were on facebook but i'm not <laughs> and i vindicated you know i never got on and now i'm so glad i didn't but i'm sorry because i'm missing that the uh the
1: loyal extras yeah well you're on on that uh fan page so uh Aww. right off the top what you know i haven't talked to you in three months so what what do you like lately <laughs>
2: arch it's been a little um yeah i, I haven't yeah. loved it that much i mean there are actually a couple of movies opening this week that i quite like one is called uh the mustang
1: i've read about Did it i didn't see it see it's it's th- a therapeutic story right
2: it is it's actually inspired by a real these real life pro- uh programs in prisons where they round up wild mustangs the um office of land management Um, rounds up these Mustangs every year, and a certain number of them go to prisons where inmates train them, work with them, and then make them ready to be adopted or auctioned. And so both the horse and the man are helped, and they work through their issues of aggression and trust issues. And, you know, the parallels are obvious. So this woman, um, Laura de clermont taneri I think is how you pronounce her name, Mm. developed this idea at the Sundance Institute. Robert Redford is her executive producer. And Matthias Shainert, the Flemish actor, plays the lead character who is just galvanizing. He's just mesmerizing as this very shut down inmate who befriends a horse, and they um, they take their journey together. Bruce Dern is on hand mm, The irascible yeah. old coot,
1: right. overseeing Love everything. That. And
2: um, uh, Jason Mitchell has a wonderful role. It's a simple movie. I think, you know, you can kind of see where it's going. It doesn't really surprise you in terms of the plot, but very well done. Wonderful performance from, from Matthias. And, you know, being an inveterate, horse and animal lover right yeah we already had this discussion about lean on i couldn't even finish lean on pete last year because i knew where that was going and i had to jump off
1: and, and i'm thinking of off. the rider as i listen to right. you
2: right that's <laughs> another good analogy but so i'll just say to all my fellow bleeding heart <laughs> you know, this will you're not you know it's okay i don't want to give anything away I'm just saying it'll be okay. Yes.
1: And just, this the name of okay. the movie is The Mustang. It's
2: called The Mustang, and it's opening in Washington um, this coming Friday.
1: Wow! Uh, so
2: I, that I can recommend. That's been that was good.
1: And you mentioned one other film that you really liked oh, this week.
2: Yes, as a matter of fact, one of my biggest disappointments of the year last year was this documentary about Stephen Bannon that Errol Morris did.
3: Oh and yeah. I'm not
2: even sure it ever got distribution, but it was such a crush. It was just so. I felt that it just missed the mark in so many ways. It was it was almost overreaching and underreaching at the same time. But this uh, uh, filmmaker named Allison Clayman has made a movie about Steve Bannon that is absolutely riveting.
1: And this is a documentary.
2: A documentary is called The Brink, and it oh. ca- it catches up with him right after he left the White House in the fall of 2017, and follows him through the midterm elections last year and as he's kind of redefining himself um, and becoming this kind of global music man for the issue of economic nationalism and his form of populism and meeting with lots of European political movements, far-right leaders and far-right movements. It's a candid – It all it does is she just, it, she's just there with the camera, right? She's huh. not editorializing. Huh. She's not interviewing other people. It's just a candid, revealing look at him because, you know, I have – Friends who you know who are friends with him, who say he's just a great guy. You'd love him. He's such a nice guy. And I've always thought, huh? <laughs> and this movie really shows you. Yes, so- yes, he is. He's a fun, funny, self-aware, self-deprecating. You can tell he's very good company. Um, and no matter how, you know, and then he espouses the the things that he espouses, and it really trusts the audience. To navigate between those things and, and decide for themselves what what how they feel and it's so in other words it's not it's not coming with any animus it's really it's coming with skepticism but not animus or hostility yeah, which I really yeah. appreciate it well, so it's it's a very entertaining movie
1: you know over the last three months I sort of took a break from seeing every single thing I just I just got overwhelmed and one of the things that happened is I could not gin up the energy to see captain marvel
2: i understand where you're coming from i understand you know what arch if i i think i i think i feel the same way i am reaching my limit with all of it um
1: uh, it and, is I the mean, biggest think... movie of the year and the biggest movie worldwide
4: yeah.
1: but uh i don't i, I know. And, and i felt like you were mixed on it personally i
2: was yeah, I was mixed. I was mixed to positive. I mean, I think um, it, it had a lot to do. You know, there was a lot of uh, spade work to do in terms of telling her story and explaining uh-huh. who she is and how she got to where she was. Lots of flashbacks, lots of time travel, lots of time shifts. Um, I thought it succeeded the best. You know, there's a, the, the bulk of the film takes place on Earth in the 1990s, and during those sequences when she meets the, Nick Fury, the Sam Jackson character, mm-hmm. It's funny. Like, there's a lot of humor, which is the yeah. thing that I think really sets the Avengers, the whole franchise, apart. They're not afraid to have a few laughs. And that's fun. And it's a little bit of a 90s nostalgia trip. And that's fine. And, you know, I thought she was she was good, not great. Like, I want to see – I think Brie Larson's such a good actress. Oh, I'm not yeah, sure this yeah. is exactly – I'm not sure this is the movie that really showed us what a great actress she can be. Mm. But um, – you know, we'll see. You know, I'm glad that they made it, and I'm glad it did well. Um, I'm glad, you know, they, they, they're they using these interesting filmmakers, like they went with Brian Coogler for Black yeah, Panther. This yeah. time they went with Anna Boden and Ryan Flack, who are really from the indie world. Speaking of Sundance, they're Sundance filmmakers, you know.
1: I am a fan of Us, not particularly for the movie, but uh, more so for Jordan Peele and how he is emerging And, you know, this is probably a stretch, but I'm starting to read comparisons between Jordan Peele and Alfred Hitchcock. And I think they're apt, because Hitchcock didn't hit a home run every time, but over time, his stuff was always interesting. And that's what I'm getting off of Jordan Peele. How about you? You know,
2: I wouldn't say Hitchcock, just because (laughs) I think Jordan Peele's a great filmmaker. I I didn't love Us. Again, I was more mixed to positive on that, but... um, when he hits it he hits it i mean he really yeah. knows how to set a stage and to you know i'm not sure though i feel like the pure filmmaking of hitchcock if there was something he is such an epitome of classical style yeah. that i wouldn't necessarily say peel is in a way it's funny because now that you mentioned it peel's next project is the twilight zone reboot <laughs> i would almost put him more in that rod serling ah, I think he might be our new well. rod serling And here's why, because I think both of them share deep social conscience. Uh
3: You know, Uh
2: Rob Rob Sterling was all about allegory and present-day allegory, and I think that's exactly what Peel's interested in. So I would actually call him our new Rod Sterling, which ain't, so bad, because Sterling was a certified genius.
1: Would would you accept my thumbnail uh, analysis of us, which is, we have seen yes. the problem and it is us? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You've
2: seen the movie and it is us. I know. Yeah, I mean, and what a performance from Lupita and Yango, my God.
1: Oh, man. yeah. I know mm-hmm. you love that her.
2: Breathtaking. She was just great in it. And um, like there were elements of that movie that I thought were were really really well done and again the humor I mean I just think his his calibration of the humor his the way that he introduces it and it, it just it's brilliant you know I just uh he's just got such a he really does have a singular voice and it's a it's a great voice
1: and what about Dumbo Disney is mm. muscling that into theaters this week and uh uh, a remake of an animated classic with Tim Burton all over yeah. it.
2: Yeah, uh, I saw that one last night. It's yeah. a lot of movie. It's just a, it's, you know, and that Dumbo, that original one was so simple and so dear, uh-huh. you know, and just so quiet. I just remember, you know, it's just so. You know, it's about a flying, you know, it's just it's got this kind of lightness to it. And this movie is so heavy and it's overproduced and it's overwrought and it's over everything.
1: I can't imagine a kid sitting through that without squirming or, or his parents.
2: I know. It was did you see it last night, <laughs> I did, yeah. Okay, so it's scary. It's very upsetting. It's, I mean, and it's dark. I heard one little boy, very dark, and a little boy leaving said that was scary. That were he said that was sad. You know, because for little little kids, they're not going to see that as a. Ha- I saw it as a happy ending. You know, but they're not going to see it as a happy ending. Um, so yeah, I think I don't know what the audience is. I really don't. And especially, and I'm really very kind of. I don't know. You know, Tim Burton. <laughs> Uh, Tim Burton, (laughs) for a minute there, he was like a visionary. And now what's he doing? Like, I... Uh. I just don't understand, like, why are you doing these movies? I, I mean, I guess for the obviously for the money, and he does put a lot of imagination into them, but I don't know. I, I wish he were putting his talents to other uses. Than but again,
1: putting- like Captain Marvel, it's Disney who just merged with Fox, and it's G rated, and they are muscling this movie out there. I, I feel like it's review proof, and I'm mixed on it.
2: Yeah. Oh, I think a lot of people are going to be mixed on it. And it's long. It's too, what is
1: it? It's too long. (laughs) It's too long.
2: Yeah, too long with books spelled either way. Yeah, I know. I don't, yeah, well, I mean, but the race is on now between Netflix and these studio consolidations and now Apple. I mean, everybody wants to take over the world, basically.
1: We are now living. We did not get to talk over the last three months about the Oscars and their impact. And after this year's Oscars, I just came away feeling uh, mixed, I guess is the word. Uh, <laughs> what, what's your final analysis of the Oscars?
2: Well, I think the Oscars, to me, were an example of what I just said about this. I think Hollywood is in a time of, of existential transition, whether you're talking about representation or mm-hmm. technology, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. corporate consolidation. I just think all of these forces converged on that particular Oscars ceremony, So, and there were many contradictions. So that's why we saw more women and people of color than ever before right. on the stage, which was cool, and so many people from other countries. It was such a global Oscars. And I loved it when Alfonso Cuaron, in one of his speeches, said— you know, I grew up on foreign language. Li- oh, it was when he was accepting the foreign language film mm-hmm, award. And he said, I mm-hmm. grew up on foreign language films like Jaws and Citizen Kane. And that's just a, a <laughs> way to to, yes. to to reframe it and to let us know this is a global medium, uh, right? Uh, but then the winner of the night is this book, the movie you and I both love, Green Book, that yeah. practically all white people there <laughs> about a, for a movie about race and ra- racial reconciliation. So the optics of that upset some people, Many people, including Spike Lee, yeah, but the movie itself was such a, was such a kind of harkening back again to those classical storytelling values. So I don't know. I just felt like it was the whole thing was a metaphor for, a, for an industry in transition that's kind of one foot in the past and one foot in the future.
1: When Glenn Close lost, I, I immediately thought, I've got to talk to Anne.
2: Oh, I know that was upsetting I, to me. That,
1: that just that and and people are going to see the favorite. And walking out saying that one best actress, I know. I know. So, I, I, that
2: the favorite is the one when I'm out, you know, meeting people. That's the movie of everything that people that, that people just don't understand. They're just like, what? <laughs> what did I just see? You know, they, they don't like. A lot of them just don't like it, and even the ones that don't don't hate it don't understand it. But that did upset me when she didn't win, and she was so gracious. That made me even more sad. You know, it's like, oh
1: my yeah. goodness.
2: What does she, I mean, I don't understand how she could have lost that. I don't understand it. And
1: I blame the Academy. Why? I, well, who else am I going to blame?
2: Oh, you mean the individual voters? Yeah. The voters? I, oh, I know, thought you meant like I, the
1: leadership or something. You know, I, yeah, obviously. I, well,
2: you know, and I think, again, that could be, you know, the fact that it went to Coleman, who is from England, that maybe it was a function of these, um, so many people now coming from other countries. Like, I think that. I, I think that more than race and gender, I think the globalization of the academy might be having more of an impact than anything else.
1: Well, that's interesting. I'm going to mull that over. I got one last story, and then I know you have to go, because you are at work at the Washington Post, and we are all waiting for your work as it comes out in the paper. <laughs> uh, but I was asked to do a QA and uh, a after a screening of The Highwaymen, which is streaming oh, yeah on uh, Netflix, and I got to interview John Lee Hancock and John Fusco, the screenwriter. And as you know, John Lee Hancock uh, directed The Blind Side. And before we started, we were just talking, and he said, you know, if it was up to me, they wouldn't give awards because award season... Just brings out the worst in everybody. And yeah. And I when I heard that I oh, I've got to tell Anne.
2: <laughs> yeah, I can <laughs> understand. Well, and it's funny because the blind side came in for the exact same criticisms as Green Book. You uh-huh. know? So I can see how he could feel that way. And I think he's right. That was a that was a particularly nasty, nasty award season this year. It was really just the stakes are so so incredibly high that people just they they lose sight they lose sight of what they're there for and what what it's all about you
1: know Uh, for the record Uh i'm a big fan of the highway men you know it's the story of the texas rangers who are tracking down bonnie and clyde and it's woody harrelson and kevin costner and it's that kind of mid-level movie that we loved in the 70s and the first half of the 80s and it's streaming on netflix
2: I will watch it. Well, you know, this is our life now and I'm I for some reason I think I was um I was out of commission for a little bit, and I think that was when I when they were screening The Highwaymen. So I will absolutely yeah. check. Yeah, out. Yeah, that one that's the
1: reason I did the Q and A because you weren't available. No, <laughs> no, no, I know that's, no, that's, not that's the reason. Actually, no. they said it was because they knew I was from Texas, oh. but I figured oh you were God. busy. No, I,
2: I'm sure you were the first choice. Well, you should be. My goodness.
1: <laughs> well, it's all it's so I just so love talking with you, and I thank oh. you so much for your time. And I hope Thank maybe you. every few months we can make a phone call, and and if that's not possible, uh, let me take you to lunch sometime. You and bet,
2: I'll take both. How about that?
1: I, we'll we'll split the check. And,
2: <laughs> and duck I,
1: without revealing much, I also want to say there is a move to get you back on a podcast, and I'm oh. just uh, rooting for that to happen. So, oh, thanks. So we'll let see us know. where this
2: crazy little caravan takes us.
1: Well, we love you. Thank you, Anne. Love you, too,
2: guys. Thanks a million.
1: So that was Ann Hornaday, and uh, she's my dear friend from the Washington Post. And you can access her reviews at WashingtonPost.com. Up next, we'll catch up with Jen Cheney, who covers cable and streaming for Vulture.com and a lot of other people. And she's my favorite Vulture, by the way. And now back to you, Lou Katz. <laughs>
0: hey, by the way, uh, this is our <laughs> inaugural version of the At the Movies oh, podcast. is that what they call it? Yeah, inaugural with with Arch yes. and yours truly, mm-hmm. Lou. And uh, by the way, if you have deep pockets and you would like to uh, sponsor this particular yes. podcast or series yes, of podcasts, please you can always please. you can always reach out to uh, to either Arch or uh, myself. Uh, through our website or through Facebook. My email address is Lou, L O O, at houndradio.com. And you have arch at houndradio.com. That's A R C H. And uh, we'd at love
1: houndradio. At houndradio.com. At houndradio.com. Oh, and they can uh, write in wisecracks and they, comments. Right. And we'll, take all, kinds of, we'll kind,
0: take all kinds of critiques on this particular podcast. And of course, we will not pay any attention <laughs> to any of them.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, and you know. Either it's a sponsor or it's Pledge Week. (laughs) That's right, Pledge Week. week. Every every week is Pledge Week
0: without the without the movie. So just
1: remember that. Are we having fun or what? So while we're in our break, I want to plug your Hound radio on the internet. It's kind of like Wash FM used to be.
0: Yeah, it's it's an adult contemporary format, Arch. And it plays 70s and 80s and 90s and 2000s. In fact, we even fast forward to the next millennium. We play future, future <laughs> songs that haven't even been oh, recorded. Great. You know, you know, songs from like Miley Cyrus's grandchildren. So we're going to be the first to play that stuff. But but no, and we have a Motown Monday feature that we play. Oh, I like that. Uh, we got a, yeah. we got a lot of requests for that. We have a Motown Monday feature. We have Wacky Wednesdays where we play a bunch of One Hit Wonders. So it's it's a whole lot of fun. Occasionally, we drop in some comedy stuff with our buddy. uh, Jeff Pan, too. So it's 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 really a, a labor of love. And uh, you can always find it at houndradio.com. And we also have a free. Sell um, it. Sell it, I am. Lou. Pushing Sell it, it, buddy. Houndradio.com. <laughs> and we also have the, um, since I'm horse, and we also have yeah. the mobile apps, which are available free, too. So that's pretty cool.
1: I have some shout outs in this segment of the program. And first, uh, this is exciting for me, Count Gore who was everybody loved so much uh, for on Creature Feature for Channel 20, Count Gore comes to town on a regular basis to host movies at the AFI, and he will be in town Saturday night, April 27th, hosting a screening of Son of Frankenstein. Whoa. And I will be on stage with him. He always invites me to come along and joke around with him, and I love those, uh, those times. So Count Gore, AFI. Saturday night, April 27th. And we've mentioned this, but I want to mention it again. The Avalon Theater benefit is Sunday, May 5th. Alicia Malone of Turner Classics will celebrate the hidden history of women in film, followed by a conversation with our friend Ann Hornaday. And the name of the uh, event that night is Backwards and in Heels. Which, of course, references the uh, wisecrack by Ann Richards, who was governor of Texas, who said, Ginger Rogers did everything Fred Astaire did. She just did it backwards and in high heels. And (laughs) I understand that uh, that is quite a nice uh, presentation. Uh, We have a little... uh, a little news. Now, this is our news segment.
0: Seguing right into the news.
1: And shall I let you start? You want the uh, well, headline? I, yeah, I, I guess one the of the biggest and-
0: stories, at least out right now, is the fact that prosecutors have dropped charges against uh, Jesse Smollett, which is obviously drawing strong rebuke from all over the world, including at home at Ch- by Chicago's mayor, and uh
1: it's really i don't know how this is going to play out i mean number one uh i know they took him off the last two episodes of empire and i don't know if he's coming back or not i'm i am wondering what this means for his career i think the big question mark arch in everybody's mind is what what's
0: behind the prosecution's decision to do this
1: i i think all we can say about this story is uh where does this go next and and that is something we can't answer today. Okay. Hey, what's going on in the uh, movie box office? I, I always I like to look at those box office. Papers.
0: Well, my gosh, us not surprisingly, uh, over the f- opening weekend, uh, grossed over th- over just over seventy million dollars.
1: That's Jordan Peele, you know, mm-hmm. he made Get Out, and he is this. It, this means. He is now a major figure in movies, and they're 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 comparing him to Alfred Hitchcock, and I think the comparison is fine because not everything Hitchcock did was a complete home run, but over time everything he did was interesting, and I think that's going to be the story of. Um, Jordan Peele.
0: Now speaking of Peele, uh, this is a pop question for you. Do you recall how much money or how big Get Out was? Was it a really huge box office? I movie? think
1: this one is bigger. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, Get Out uh, kind of um, uh, rolled along on word of mouth and got bigger. as, uh-huh. And people saw it finally and said, man, that's really good. So He's somebody I'm excited about.
0: Uh, Also at the uh, box office last weekend, maybe you saw Captain Marvel for the first time. $35 million grossed over the weekend. But here's the shocker. Actually, not such a shocker, Arch. Uh, So far, that movie has grossed over $320 million.
1: It's the number one movie of the year. It's the number one movie in the world. It is the reason that uh, you can count on seeing more and more of these comic book origin stories because uh, they have an audience. And and that is, that's the trend in movies. I want to mention a couple of things. Please. Because we haven't uh, been on, I haven't been on the air. This show has not been on the air for three months. And two things uh, after three months I still want to mention. And the first is the death of Luke Perry. At age 52, which I think that's that's quite a shocker, and you know everybody still remembers him from Beverly Hills 90210. Yeah, I was looking into his uh, background. In 1991, he appeared at an autograph session at a shopping mall, and ten thousand teens showed up, and a riot broke out. They had they had to whisk him out of the mall. They had to tell everybody to go home. That's how popular he was, Uh, and and you know I think he had a a fairly good career after Beverly Hills. Uh, I met him on the set of um, Eight Seconds, which is a movie that probably not a a lot of people remember. It was the story of bullfighter Lane Frost. George Michael had a role in that. He had a cameo in the movie. And had something to do with producing it because he was close to the Lane Frost family. And uh, anyway, uh, Luke Perry was quite a guy, quite a, a very nice, nice man. And,
0: yeah, one and of the one of the good Hollywood guys. You know, sometimes people in Hollywood eh, not so good.
1: The other shock, you know, it's a shock that he died so young. But the other shock is he was fifty-two years old, I mean. and I think we'll always think of him as being about twenty-five.
0: You are listening to the very first episode of At The Movies with Arch Campbell, Lou Katz, and a cast of thousands. And our cast of thousands
1: includes a very special woman. Jen Cheney covers TV for Vulture. She also reviews film and television for WTOP. She's the author of As If, the -the behind-the-scenes story of the making of Clueless. And she's in New York. Uh, And uh, what brings you there?
4: Well, you know, I work for Vulture and New York Magazine, and, and our offices are based here, uh, even though I am based in the D.C. area. So I, I come up periodically when there's a need to, you know, have a meeting or do an interview, and i um, working on a, a big piece right now that we had a staff meeting about. So I came up for a couple of days.
1: Well, and this is an important time because uh, the new seasons of several big shows are starting to stream. And I want to start with Veep. Because I can't wait. And on the other hand, uh, what's what's left for them to do?
4: <laughs> well, you'd be surprised, Art. Uh, <laughs> really? Yeah. So just to give a little backstory um, for those who may not uh, have followed this as closely. So originally, this last season of Veep was supposed to air a year ago. Mm -hmm. And they were in the midst of working on it, and Julia Louis-Dreyfus was diagnosed with breast cancer. And once that happened, they shut down production on the show so that she could seek treatment, uh, and that delayed the process. And when the writers picked it back up again, uh, David Mandel, who's the showrunner, felt that even in just that brief period of time, uh, the political climate had shifted so so drastically toward the dark side that – he felt like what they were originally doing would have been fine, but it would have seemed sort of quaint uh, <laughs> under the circumstances. So, so some of what was originally intended to be in the season is still there, but they took it to darker places than um, uh, I think they might have had they not had that delay. So, you know, Selena Meyer, uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus' character, mm-hmm. is running for president again.
1: Right. She, uh, was, she was vice president, and then she became president, and then she was voted out of office, and now she's trying again?
4: Correct. She's trying again, and, and with a bunch of other people, including Jonah Ryan. Um,
1: <laughs> who was an idiot
4: president. Yes. who
1: became a congressman.
4: Correct. Uh, this and, does and,
1: sound like real news, doesn't it?
4: it it does and the thing is that there's there's a f- the field of candidates keeps growing and again this is something they wrote this you know a year ago but now here we are with a democratic field with you know 8 million people so we, it, it
1: you know feels with, really on the nose with veep uh, for me i don't know if it's so much the plot as just the outrageous dialogue and and really the the envelope pushing kind of cringeworthy uh, banter and dialogue of this thing
4: yeah I mean, and it, it you know, you can't say enough about the cast. I mean, Julie Louis Dreyfus is obviously fantastic, but they have a great ensemble, and having been on the set and watched them work, it's it's really it's kind of funny that you know they're all playing the worst people <laughs> on the planet, and yet they genuinely really like each other and are very respectful of one another.
1: Um, and they use the worst language. I mean, does your family sit down together and watch veep or are they banned (laughs) from that entirely?
4: Uh, (laughs) no, I mean, my, my son does not. I suspect if he heard some of the language, he would be interested in the show. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny. There was one day when, when they were on set and I can't even remember what scene it was, but they were just, you know, they, they're, they're constantly coming up with, Mm -hmm filthier and 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 grosser (laughs) things for people to say especially when someone's insulting jonah and dave mandel was like in any other situation we would all be arrested but right now (laughs) you know um so yeah so it 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 goes dark and and it really actually again i can't say what happens but it it goes to even some dramatic places um where as bad as selena meyer has been she does some of the worst things that she's ever done um, by the time the season's over
1: and is that the secret of VEEP? Is that what has made it uh, endure and made us love it so much? And and uh, the award uh record of VEEP is uh, uh incredible.
4: Yeah, I mean Julia Louis-Dreyfus is now one of the uh the, you know, most winning Emmy-winning actors in in history. Um I think I think it's not just that. I think it's um you know, the show has this amazing capacity to not only capture the absurdity of politics as we know it, but to also mm. predict how absurd it's going to get before we know what's going to happen. I mean, you can go back and look through its history, and it'll blow your mind. I mean, actually, I started watching it again from the beginning as I was uh-huh. working on this story. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the fourth episode of season one. Uh, there, uh, one of the... Uh, I think he's a member of Congress or a senator who might be running for office. He's already he's talking about building a wall, um, wow, in Mexico. And and the kind of language in that episode is just absolute foreshadowing of things that were going to happen like five or six years later. It's That's, crazy.
1: Well, wow. Uh, when does Veep uh, drop? When when does it return? Is it it's Sunday um, night, isn't it?
4: it? It's Sunday night. Um, it airs at ten thirty um, oh. after Barry. Another great. HBO comedy that's coming back this week as well Oh, and that's Um,
1: another one Barry went to such dark places that I'm I can't wait to see what they're going to do with it uh but on the other hand I can't imagine uh where they're going it's Bill Hader and uh (laughs) and
4: uh Henry Winkler
1: thank you Henry Winkler (laughs) Henry Winkler as a as a hammy uh, acting coach and Bill Hader as a hitman who stumbles into the class and decides to become an actor and talk about dark, but talk about brilliant.
0: Yeah. My wife and I are big, big Barry fans. Can't wait for it to come back.
4: Yeah, it's, it's great. And I, you know, I think um, Bill Hader won an Emmy for his performance and I thought that was very well deserved. I've seen the first three episodes of the season and he certainly has another nomination at the very least in his future. I mean, he just does such a great job of, you know, playing this very contained and, and um, you know, really someone who's clearly repressing a lot of feelings that uh-huh. he has. And then every once uh-huh. in a while, something will like leak out. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's also a really funny show. And like some of the characters that were maybe kind of more supporting players in the previous season are getting a little bit more time, like Noho Hank, the Chechen uh, gangster who yeah. is the most upbeat gangster you'll ever meet in your life. Like he's really great too. So
1: and they, uh, I, I guess this is brilliant. They killed off a uh, one of your favorite characters, and I don't. I guess I shouldn't reveal much more than that. But uh, they certainly they're not afraid to go there on Barry, and I guess we got to salute that. The other one is killing Eve, which I also. Uh, There's three shows right now, Veep, Barry, and Killing Eve, and all of them are firing up again, and I'm canceling all my plans. (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen any of the new Killing Eve?
4: Yes, I watched the first episode of it. I I meant to watch the second. I just haven't gotten to it yet. And, um, you know, Jodie Comer, who plays... um,
1: So good.
4: ...is so good uh, as this just sort of ruthless assassin and and sandra O uh is is working for british intelligence and there's this real kind of cat and mouse but like weird attraction between them and it it very much picks up where it left off and it's it's another one that literally every show we're talking about has a real sick sense of humor (laughs)
3: um
4: but but it's also really really great and uh sucks you in right from the jump
1: well, where are you on streaming versus uh, big screen uh, movies? Where where are we with streaming anyway? I mean, everyone seems to agree that uh, the best material is on uh, cable and TV now.
4: Yeah. I mean, that is sort of, I, I feel like these conversations get so reductive, though, as mm-hmm. if everything is an either or. I mean, obviously, there's great film being made that's going straight into theaters still. It's not like that has died um but i think because there are so many platforms and they keep coming up with new ones like apple launching all this original programming it's going to start coming out in the fall um i mean and
1: you know, they say it, I, I the disney fox uh merger will also uh, uh boost a lot of screening things streaming things
4: right and so if, if you remember that uh, Seinfeld episode where Newman starts complaining about a uh, Publisher's Clearinghouse Day at the post office, and then it's Publisher's Clearinghouse Day, and then there's just that much more mail. That's what it feels like to be a TV yeah. critic. I'm like, stop inventing new platforms. I'm fine with the amount we have. I can't keep up with it as it is.
1: Speaking of movies, uh, I'm a big fan of Us, the Jordan Peele film. How about you?
4: Oh, I loved it. It's my favorite movie of the year so far.
1: Really? The, yes. the and it's got the jump out of your seat theatrical experience that you maybe don't get at home streaming.
4: A- absolutely, you know, I'm I generally am not the kind of person who's like talking to the screen or gesticulating in my seat when I'm at the movies. I tr- I try to, but I was
1: like you're very you well doing? behaved. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <Arch. laughs>
4: but even I during that movie felt like
1: uh-huh.
4: the whole. I think you and I were at the same screen. It yeah, felt like the whole yeah. theater was was talking back to the screen. Uh-huh. Um. But what I like, you know, some people have criticized us by comparing it to Get Out and saying, you know, Get Out was so much more um, clear in its point of view. And I think that's true. But what I actually like about us is I think that you can walk away from that movie and go, well, what was he trying to say? And come up with like five different answers, all of which are valid. Yes. I mean, I I wrote a whole piece about that movie as a commentary on Generation X. I think it's a commentary certainly on um, upper class versus lower class. Um, but I, but I, I kind of like the idea that you can interpret it in a lot of different ways. And there's just Jordan Peele is uh, he's a genius. Yeah, I mean he the, is. the amount of care and meticulousness in that film is is incredible.
1: Are you a fan of the new movie Dumbo?
4: I have mixed feelings about Dumbo. Yeah, that yeah. Uh, I, I you know I think that you look at what that original movie was and it was like 65 minutes long and this one is 130 minutes long and it feels like it doesn't need to be
1: uh-huh. quite that long. It's like an extra 65 minutes long.
4: Yes, it's like double, it's a super-sized version. Uh-huh. It's an,
0: ele- it's an <laughs> elephant-sized uh-huh. movie. <laughs>
4: <laughs> there you go. Um, and I, you know, I mean, what I remember about the the original is just, you know, the the relationships between the animals, and, and this one is really more about the people, and I guess yeah. that's uh, an- inevitable when you're doing live action. On the other hand, I thought Visually, it was really beautiful. I thought they did a really marvelous job from a technical standpoint of creating these CG um, elephants. And every time Dumbo would fly, it really was thrilling to see. So there are moments in it that I really appreciated it. I, and I liked some of the homages back to the original. I liked the way they did the um, the homage to the Dance of the Pink Elephants. But right. it just it feels too long. It feels like they were trying to make something into a story that maybe didn't need to be quite that elaborate.
1: I did have the opportunity to see something that transitions of theatrical and streaming and it's uh, the new movie by John Lee Hancock The Highwaymen with Kevin Costner mm-hmm. and Woody Harrelson as the Texas Rangers who track down Bonnie and Clyde and they gave it a one week theatrical run and then it drops on Netflix of uh, today. And mm-hmm. uh, it's that kind of movie they used to make, that kind of middle movie that's uh, character-driven. And it's those two in a, a script uh, actually uh, originally intended for Redford and Newman. And uh, mm-hmm. and I very much enjoyed it. Uh, but I saw it on my iPad, and then I saw it on the big screen. And I caught a lot more of it on the big screen than on my iPad.
3: Mm-hmm
1: but uh, there had I not been able to go to that screening, I certainly would have watched it on Netflix uh, this weekend. So, so there you are. And here we are. And, and what are your final thoughts on where are we?
4: (laughs) (laughs) Where are we? I mean, I think, you know, I think for the reasons you just described uh, movies like that, they wouldn't get made at all. Mm -hmm. um, If we were just banking on the, the, kind of standard Hollywood studio system to do all the heavy lifting at this point. And so I think you do need places like Netflix that are going to say, Hey, I I see the value in this movie. Let's put it out in some theaters, but let's put it on the, on, on streaming. And, and I also think that, you know, a lot of us in the critical world who live in DC or New York or Chicago or LA forget that there are huge parts of the country where these movies would never get to to anybody. And so I think there's something valuable in that regard, from streaming that, you know, a lot of independent films, they can be seen by people all over the country. And maybe it's not the ideal format. You know, maybe it would be better on a big screen. But at least it's, I don't know, it's, it's making it a little bit more egalitarian in terms of how, how many people can actually see movies like this.
1: More access for more people. Yeah, you know, exactly. More eyeballs. Hey, Jen, I, I love talking to you, and I so appreciate your time, and it's always interesting. And just let me remind everybody, you're at Vulture, and uh, in the Washington area, you're on WTOP Radio on Fridays, and, uh, and I hope uh, I can talk to you uh, some more about this as our world changes and develops.
4: Absolutely. I would love it.
1: Hey, thank you so much. Sure thing. Thank you, Jen. Have a great day. Appreciate your time.
4: Yeah, you too. Thanks a lot, guys. Hey,
1: thanks again. Have fun up okay. there. <laughs> Bye.
3: Oh, thanks.
1: I sense Arch has some thank yous now. Uh, my thanks to Ann Hornaday. You can follow her work at WashingtonPost.com, and my thanks to Jen Cheney of Vulture.com. And as you heard, Ann recommends The Mustang at the movies, the story of a prisoner working out his problems with horses. Jen Cheney recommends the upcoming seasons of Veep and Barry. And Killing Eve, and she and I both recommend Us, Jordan Peele's creepy satire. I also recommend Apollo 11, the documentary with newly discovered NASA footage of the moon voyage 50 years ago. And streaming on Netflix, I recommend The Highwaymen with Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson as the Texas Rangers who hunt down Bonnie and Clyde, an old school buddy movie. In the best sense of the word, and it's on Netflix. And that is episode number one about the movies with Arch Campbell and Lou Katz. We survived. we <laughs> a cast of thousands. <laughs> and Lou, my thanks to you. And Our pleasure. Uh, we'll, we, we are looking at doing this once a month. Right. Because that lets uh, us look back at what's in theaters and, you know, kind of digest uh, what's in there. So, uh, have we got a way to end this show?
0: I think you don't. You have something special lined up for the for the uh, show end well, here, Arch.
1: Well, uh, this is sort of an official announcement, okay. so uh, so let me end this way. All right, uh, this podcast comes to you from an underground bunker buried deep beneath the worldwide headquarters of the Cats Podcasting System. It's <laughs> your studio, so it's <laughs> yeah, Cats Podcasting. Right. Yeah, exactly. Cats, the first name in Broadway musicals. <laughs> Delicatessens and podcasting. And now, this is Arch Campbell reminding you yes. that this is Arch Campbell. And you're Lou Katz.
0: And thank you so much for listening. If all goes well, we'll catch you next month.